Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Acts chapter 16. Acts 16 and verse 16, it says, One day as Paul and Silas were going down to the place of prayer, they met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to uh, fortune tell, to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling these fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city was in an uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then Paul and Silas were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape, so the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. You know, sometimes you can just be serving the Lord and uh, His best life for you now is putting you into a place where you end up in a lot of trouble. Sometimes everything's all going to be all going every way that you want it to go. Well, here's Paul and Silas preaching the gospel. And I love it. Wherever God's people are, they do cause an uproar. Once Jesus Christ comes into your life and the power of the Holy Spirit is in you and living in you, there's an uproar that begins to come out of your life. And they're causing an uproar. And, uh, and basically, this woman is a fortune teller. It, she wasn't um, declaring that they were men of God for good. She was doing it to keep the wealth coming in, that she was the fortune teller who was prophesying. She was actually telling the truth. But the Bible says her inspiration was the demonic realm. And, uh, and then when they uh, started to lose their money, as uh, they, she was rebuked, and uh, the Spirit came out of her, the Bible teaches us right there that her masters caused an upset in the city and the officials arrested them, beat Paul and Silas so severely and then threw them into a dungeon, into a prison cell. You know, can I encourage you tonight? I think this is a good message for our lives as we're coming towards the end of the year that there'll be some people here tonight and your life has been a prison cell. You've been in jail. Now it's one thing to end up in prison for the gospel. I've got close, but haven't been imprisoned. I think Dave Naidu ended up in one at one stage, but we won't go there in Eastern Europe. Days gone by. Dave, are you here? Good to see you out on, jail, out on bail tonight. <laughs> but you know what? I think God wants somebody here tonight to have a breakout. God wants somebody who's caged in your heart and somebody who's caged in your life and somebody who's caged in your emotions tonight to get out and get free. Because there'll be people here emotionally caged. There'll be people here who are mentally caged. And God is wanting you to be free. You were, come on, He wants you to be free. Let me just declare to you, you are designed to be free. 
Come on, you are designed to be free. It's God's design for your life. And, uh, and that's why, you know, you see totalitarian countries uh, where now, you know, up in uh, China, there's a million people have disappeared. We suddenly lost them as the government up there are retraining them. You know, you get totalitarian. I'm not talking about don't have. You need to have law and order. You've got to have that. You've got to have uh, order in countries. But you don't have totalitarian states that take over the lives of people. Governments are there to serve the people, not take over their lives. Come on. Governments are there to serve the people and uh, not take over their lives. I'm, wherever I travel, I'm always thinking the leader of that nation, your position exists for the people, not for yourself. And so no government is meant to take over people. Why? Because you're designed to be free. People do not do well when they're not free. People will not do well. They will resist. They will, you know, all kinds of things happen to humans because God has designed you to be free. Hello, how, how many people like it that God's designed you to be free? Come on, how many people like it that God's designed you? Come on, that designed you to be free. I believe tonight I'm just declaring for some people, I don't know how many people, but a breakout. I just want to declare a breakout. God wants to set you free, wants to get you out of captivity. Some of you like me have had, you have experienced physical captivity as a child living in my family and with my dad. I remember feeling like at times I was captive to our house and couldn't get out. And, uh, and you know, many years in my childhood, it was like living in, it was like being in hell at times, not all the time. But there were times where it was like living in hell, being in hell, as I had to carry, even as this, you know, young child, my parents' issues and my dad's addiction. I had to carry that and carry that situation. And I remember saying to my mom, Mom, just get a one-bedroom flat. I remember so many times, just get a one-bedroom flat. I had my younger brother and sister. I said, get a one-bedroom flat, and you can have the bedroom with my sister, and Mark and I'll sleep in the lounge room. Just get a flat. Get out of here. Get us out of this place. And uh, my mom, for whatever reasons, you know, as the years went by, she just didn't do it. She didn't make a change. And I remember my younger brother, you know, um, going to school. He was real sporty. He's a great guy. We were real close, still close today. But I remember Mark being in school right up to high school and still having a thumb-sucking issue, still sucking his thumb through primary school and then up into high school because of nervous tension of being in that house. I can remember my mom putting me in charge of my brother and sister and other kids when I was like four and five. And one day I had, uh, anybody ever had alopecia? I'm getting it now through age, but the other. <laughs> but I, as a kid, all my hair, I went to the barber. I can still remember going to the barber and all my hair was falling out at the barber in clumps and leaving uh, ball spots all over my head that took ages for it to all sort itself out and grow back. So I know what it's like to live in hell and then also have my dad be an ex-cop. Everybody who had a parent who was a cop, you know, that's a great thing unless they leave and they're psychotic. Because when you try and tell the police that your father who worked there is an angel on the street and the devil at home, people look at you as if you're crazy because we worked with him. That was a big challenge for me. One of my captivities was wherever I went, Everybody loved my dad. They're like, oh, my, your dad's so-and-so. I say, yeah, oh, I love him. He was great at fixing cars, did it on the cheap. Everybody liked his, you know, singing. He was a great singer. But at home, he was the devil. 
And here's the funny thing, everybody. Even when I got saved and was uh, now a pastor, first year by pastoring, my dad decided to go to church in Sydney. And all the pastors at the church came up to me at this church and said, we met your dad. He's the greatest guy ever. And I just went, I know. Nothing to say. You can't, you can't. And also, I didn't want to put him down now. He decided to go to church. But they were like, he's the greatest guy. Oh, my gosh. And he's got a photo of you. And I said, what age was I? And they said, yeah, because I'm now like 20, uh, probably 27. And they said, yeah, uh, it's an old one. You're about 10. I was like, yep. That would be the last captured moment of probably, I don't know, some kind of sense of connection with his kids. But even in ministry, my years, first years of ministry, having to deal with everybody, oh my gosh, I met your dad, he's amazing. I'm like, yeah, he's destroyed all of our lives. But you can't. And I wouldn't do it because I became a Christian, I became a pastor, and I said, oh, that's great. Didn't want to lie either. But I had to not, you know, ruin my dad's opportunity now with blindness and brain damage also to actually get some connection with God and his people, right? So some of the things you got to do even when you've suffered so much, to, st- to here I was now as an adult, if you like, still helping my dad and rescuing him. Yeah, scary days. Prison cell. My sister, we had her address and everything removed so that you couldn't find where she lived. My dad went to the police station, took the police for two hours and chatted them all up, how he used to work at this police station. And they drove him to my sister and dropped him in the driveway of my sister's house. You know, this puts you emotionally in a prison, everybody. It grabs your mind. It grabs your heart. It fills you with fear. It puts fear in you. Fear starts to control you. It controls your emotions and controls your ability to, you know, think healthily and emotionally be healthy and to connect with people healthily. And how do you get out of that prison? Most people go to drugs. Most people go to alcohol. Most people are going to, you know, one relationship after another, trying to deal with that situation. And, uh, you know, and I was just thinking today, you know, that prison cell now is gone from my life. I'm out of the prison cell. But there's people here tonight, like, you know, you're, maybe some of you are connecting with that story going, I know, I know. Others of you will not be connecting with that story, but there's something resonating. And, you know, years later, my family, who my mom's family, who are all wealthy on the eastern suburbs of Sydney. My dad's family were the broke Irish, bless them. Everybody had alcohol issues from Ireland due to grief, family breakup, family immigration. There was so much pain on my dad's side. And then my, all my mom's family were wealthy, and I just couldn't understand. We got taken away from my mom's side. And then 30 years later, it was only like last year, I reconnected with all my cousins who were educated wealthy, good people, you know, you can, be, you can be poor and great, you can be wealthy and great, bad, but these were really good people, and they were like, where were you, where have you been, we haven't seen you for three decades, what happened, why did you go, I know your parents had issues, why did you not see us, and I'm like, because my parents took me away, cut us off from the family, and, uh, and my cousin, who's doing real well in life, he said to me, yeah, but we would have helped you, I went to the nursing home, listen to this, and I said to my mom in the nursing home, she's, you know, she's at the, she's 80. And I said, mom, I'm just going to ask you again. My cousin and all his family, your three brothers loved you. They're all well off. Why did you not go and say 
I got the kids. We're living in hell. Can you guys help me get a flat? They're all well-off business people. They love my mom. I said, Mom, tell me the truth. You're 80 now. Why did you not go and get your brothers to help us? And she said, I was too proud. I was too proud. Everybody, pride destroys people. Pride will keep you in prison. My mom didn't mean it, but she didn't realize that her pride kept us all in prison. There's the thought for all of us today. Pride will cage many people around you, not just you. Your pride can cage many others. Future generations, not just you. My mom didn't mean it. She apologized and said, sorry to me. But she said, ultimately, I was proud. And I'm like, what? You mean we stayed in all that because you just couldn't say, hey, guys, help me? You know, some of us, our pride is the thing that's keeping us caged now. God wants to do so much, but we're still calling the shots. We're still proud. I want to encourage everybody. Humble yourself. Jesus wants the door of that cage opened. He wants you out. He wants you free. He wants you breaking free. He wants you blessed. He wants you delivered. And don't ever be a person who puts down Christianity or the church. Don't you ever dare put Jesus down. Don't you dare. Don't you dare put the church down. I'd be in hell today if it wasn't for Jesus and the church. I see people make comments sometimes, you know, and you see it on Facebook somewhere. Oh, yeah, Christianity Church. Listen, there's a multitude of us across the planet would be in hell or dead. But for Jesus and the church. So Jesus wants you to be a free man or woman. In fact, Galatians 5.1 says it. It was for freedom. Galatians 5.1. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm. What does that mean? It means don't go back to the world. Don't go back to your pride. If you got out of pride, I got out of that. And every day I have to come and say, Lord, help me to be humble today because because my humility, if I had any, leaked out overnight, and I'm proud again by breakfast. Everybody, you're proud again by breakfast. And if you don't know that, you'll end up in the cage again because you suddenly start picking up your life and picking up, I know better, and I know better than you, and I know better than God. No, you don't. No, you don't. I've been in hell. I don't want to go there again. But there's there's some people who lead their Christian lives. You know, maybe you've been a Christian. My parents were Christians. They were Christians. So you're casual. Casual Christians end up Christian casualties. And maybe you won't end up in prison, but you put your kids and grandkids there. Lock them up. We're going to say, hang on, it's for freedom that Christ set my grandparents free, if you've got Christian heritage. If you've got Christian heritage, thank God, it was for freedom that Christ set your great, great, great grandparents free. And now you're receiving the inheritance of that. I wish to God I had had that. Would love to have had some Christian grandparents who could have set some kind of compass course for me and for our family. It says, don't be subject again to a yoke of slavery. 
Come on, it means don't, don't be subject. You can have a, that yoke could come back. God's got a great plan for you, but the devil's plan has not gone away, people. It has not gone away. The amount of people who think they know better than the devil, you don't. I've been around him. He's not that stupid. But he works to ensnare people. Let me snare you again. And how did you do it? Pride. Picking up your life. Picking up what you think. This is what I think. We've got to choose to say, Lord, I got proud overnight. Help me. I got proud last night. I went to bed every night. Humble when I got into bed. Woke up. Proud again. Help me, Lord. I'm going back to the cage. Keep me out of the cage. A God-given future will hold you in times of trouble, everybody. If you're in trouble right now, God's future, you're, you gotta, you got, you're starting to see through the Word of God and being in God's house, visions coming to your heart, potentials coming. God-given future will hold you in times of trouble. I had some t- trouble as a Christian. You know, people who ever preach that being a Christian means you're going to have no trouble, they're lying. They're lying. I mean, a Christian, I had lots of trouble. But I just choose to apply Romans 8.28. Everything works together for good. To those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Proverbs 29.18, listen to this. Where there's no vision, the people, they are unrestrained. They cast off restraint. One translation says they're like wild horses. It's like some of us, you know, um, even now, right now, we've just got no vision, so we just live wildly. But eventually, you know, you regret it because you end up in emotional prisons, mental prisons, relationship prisons. And uh, you need a vision to get out of your emotional prison, your relationship. You need a vision. But the vision needs to be God-centered. You ever see... You know, the statistics, you see people say, hey, I got a vision, I'm going to lose weight. And then their vision is, yeah, I'm going to lose weight. And then because their whole vision is to lose weight, statistically, they now say most of them put it back on. Because the vision is not, I got a vision to lose weight and then follow God and fulfill His purpose. Or, hello, then as a per- just a person, I'm going to do this and this. Now, the vision is lose weight, so what they do is they take it off, they put it on, they take it off, they put it on, take it off, put it on, because you need a vision beyond the vision of losing weight. Only God can give you the real vision for your life. Only God. And people have been in real jail. You t- they talk to them and say, what's your vision in jail? To get out. Got a vision to get out. And they say t- statistically as well, they get out and most of them reoffend and end up back in prison. Why? Because you've got to get a vision beyond the prison. Say you've got to get a vision for life. You've got to get a vision for your future, for your purpose. You've got to get a vision of freedom and purpose. Hello. That puts God in the center. Puts God in the center. I, I hated what I went through as a kid, but now it's helpful. Because I can relate to a whole lot of people and say, yeah, been there, but I know how you get out. Get a, vi- a vision of freedom and purpose. But make sure, make sure God is at the center. Everybody, everybody coming from addiction, AA is not enough. Everybody coming from addiction, NA is not enough. Everybody coming from addiction, tenacious house is not enough. Not enough, not enough, not enough. You got to come out, go through that, be blessed and helped, but then come out to God's purpose. 
come out to God's purpose. Connection overcomes addiction. Connection overcomes addiction. That's how you break the addiction in your life. Some of you got, I like what Eli said the other week. He used the old American word, was it? Cell phone. Some of you got an addiction to the cell phone. You're in jail to the cell phone. Mm, thanks, Eli, that helped. You got to start to break that addiction. Say, I got to break that. I got to get into connection with God, His Word, His Word, His people. Get that happening. Paul and Silas are in jail, they're in stocks, they're in pain, they're in agony. Everything's gone wrong. They're living their best life now, and now they're in stocks in the inner dungeon. And around midnight, verse 25, Acts 16. Paul and Silas, they're praying. Then they're singing. Then they're singing hymns to God. They're praising God. They've made decisions. We're going to pray. We're going to sing. We're going to declare. We're going to honor God. Our feet are hurting. We're in chains. We're in the deepest dungeon. And the Bible says, and the other prisoners began to listen. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake. And the prison was shaken to its foundations. And all the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Come on, the chains of every prisoner fell off. How do you get out of your emotional prison? How do you get out of your relational prison? How do you get out of your psychological prison? How do you get out of your financial prison? you got to begin to praise your way out. Come on, you got to begin to praise your way out. Come on, somebody got to begin to praise your way out. You got to get up when you don't feel like it. You don't want to do anything. And you got to say, hang on, Paul and Silas, remember them. Right now, nothing's working. I'm in prison and say, Lord, I'm going to lift my praise to you. Come on, everybody. You need to praise him. Praise Jesus. You know, as a Christian, I've been in some storms. But as a Christian, I've never been in a storm yet that I couldn't drive out of. I've been in them. I'll go in them again. But it's not a storm I've been in that I haven't, as a Christian following the Lord, been out to drive out of that storm. You may be in a storm right now, but if you begin to praise Him, you'll drive out. You'll drive out. You'll drive forward in Jesus' name. You know, I really want to encourage you, don't judge your life by where you are now. Don't judge your life by where you are now. Listen, you may be in a good place now. Praise God. But if you're not quite there, do not judge your life by where you are now. This is a chapter. This is a chapter. Don't judge it. That person walking with the Lord and you're really serving God and you're doing everything right. Don't judge that situation and your life by what's happening right now. God's in the work. God's in the middle of it. We're going to keep saying, Lord, I'm believing for this to change. But if it doesn't change, you change. If it doesn't change, you change. You say, Lord, nothing's working. That's not working. I'm going to get up in this time of, it feels like a prison cell, but Lord, I choose to praise you now. Now. Anybody been driving down the road and you feel really confident about where you're going and then suddenly your GPS starts talking? Do a U-turn now. Do a U-turn now. 
Anybody like me? I'm like, oh, shut up. <laughs> Do a U-turn now. Do a U-turn now. Listen, the Lord's using me tonight to be your spiritual GPS. Do a U-turn now. Do a U-turn now. Come on, someone needs to do a U-turn now. You're going to the cliff. God's like, no, 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 come back here. God came to my life at the right moment. You're hearing this message at the right moment. You're hearing this message at the right time because God's trying to say to you, do a U-turn now. And here's, here's the other thing is your car system is so cool because it knows you're lost when you don't. Your GPS and car system knows you're lost when you don't. Hello, that's the men I'm talking to. Because our wives know we're lost, but they're just trying to sit there and pretend that we're not, to be polite. Because <laughs> men don't like to acknowledge that we're lost, right? Men really don't want to acknowledge in their car they're lost. Do you know what? My GPS, my system... It recalibrates based on my lost state. My GPS, my navigation, it recalibrates based on my lost state to help me get out of that and to get on the right road and the right way to go. Listen, it knows where I got lost in the same way that God knows how you're lost. In the, same, in the way your GPS knows you, how you got lost, where you are, what you need to do. God knows how you got lost. He knows my parents helped me get lost. God knows how it went. He knows where your life went wrong. God knows where it went wrong. God knows where it went wrong for you who's a Christian. God knows. But if you give it to God and if you begin to praise Him, come on, if you give it to Him and begin to praise Him, listen, God is the great recalibrator of the universe. He's the great recalibrator of the universe. Come on, He's the great recalibrator of the universe. And He'll say, hey, U-turn, Global Heart Church, go in. You're like, how do I get a Global Heart Church? God goes, I recalibrated you. Go in, make a decision to follow me, plant yourself in my house, and I am going to work in your life to bring joy and peace and life and hope and provision and breakthrough. Listen, and freedom. Come on, He's the God of freedom. Come on, everybody. He's the God of freedom. Come on, can somebody give Him a shout? He is the God of freedom. Lord, we thank You for the victory. We give You all the praise. I need some people pray. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us. And special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus, both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member. And let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.